This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. You're going to love our guests that we have for you today. How about the MVP, one of the great A's first basemen of all time, and he's going to be at fantasy camp this year. That's right, Jason Giambi. How cool is that? Travis Shawchick, a great author. You can also read him on 538.com, did an article. He's the guy, the MVP machine, did an article about starting pitching. People starting to realize bullpens are getting worn out. Starters got to go longer, so we'll talk to him about that. Evan Drellich did one of the best articles I have seen, some of the best journalism work I've seen in a while about the Houston Astros on The Athletic. It's unbelievable. And Jim Duquette will talk about the World Series. Former Orioles and Mets general manager, now with Sirius, Sirius XM MLB channel, and you see him on MLB Network. But we're going to start with a guy that you know we love, Jason Giambi, and it's just so cool to think of the lineup that's going to be there. This is one of the best lineups they have ever had for fantasy camp. I mean, you want to you want to know what it's like to be a big leaguer during the day and then be like a big leaguer at night? You get to hang with these guys. It's going to be unbelievable. Trust me, I'm efforting to get down there. Here is Jason Giambi. The great Jason Giambi is going to be there, and he joins us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Jason, it's great to have you back on the program. Thank you so much for having me. So we got our times crossed up a little bit, but uh, it's my fault. But I appreciate you guys making time for me. Oh, no, for you, anything. And I think about, I mean, look at the names that are going to be there at Fantasy Camp with, with Stu and Vida and Dallas and Campy and Bobby Crosby and Carney Lansford and yourself. This thing's going to be a blast. Oh, we're going to have a great time. I mean, it's so great to see a lot of those guys. And uh, this is going to be my first fantasy camp. So I'm enjoying it, looking forward to it, you know, being with all the A's fans and the A's greats and Carney and Dave Stewart and Ida and everybody. So it's going to be exciting. You know, and I think about your time. I mean, your last year was 2014. So it hasn't been that long since you were in uniform. And I know you got the young kids now. I bet you're going to be itching to take a little BP. Oh, I, I don't know about that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, I had lots of fun, you know. I've got a few things here and there, but, you know, I always laugh because my kids, when they watch me play now, because they only watch me on YouTube. They're so young, they don't even know what it was like when I played, so they can only watch me on YouTube. How old are your kids now? 
seven, five, and two. So the so the seven year old is starting to figure out dad was kind of a big deal. Yeah, she laughs about it. She was born near the end of my career, and uh, you know she came to a few games. She didn't like all the noise, but she liked all the dancing. She liked all the the music they played at the stadiums. But uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, they they make fun of me, and with the long hair and everything else, so we have a good time with it. Yeah, and, and the cool thing about it is, and, and I've heard this for years, and we're, we're going to try and get down there and do the show from there. But it's like the relationships that you build, it's, it, they're, they're really relationships that become lifelong relationships. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. You know, I mean, when I broke into the big leagues, you know, Carney was there and Dave Stewart was there and all these guys were still there. I remember, you know, getting a chance to play with all those guys. I mean, they were my idols growing up, and here I am playing in the big leagues with them. And then Bobby Crosby came after I was with the A's, but his dad is the one who drafted me. So I've known Bobby since he was a – young kid and you know dallas is always great and we played together the second my season suit with the a so it's exciting you know and you got campy and vita who i mean great to the game so it should be a lot of fun yeah so all you need to do is go to google and put in oakland a's fan fest and the link will pop up mesa arizona january 9th through the 14th and what's so cool about going down there is you're going to be wearing the big league uniform, you're going to be playing in games, and then there's going to be the nighttime entertainment, but you're going to be using the same facilities that the big leaguers use that, Jason, most fans never get that opportunity to even see what these facilities look like. Oh, they're, they're unbelievable. Like I said, the game is really transformed now. Where the spring training and all these facilities are, I mean, are a huge deal now. And they're incredible. They're great to be a part of. And like I said, this is the fun part uh, for the fans and also the players, you know, to have that interaction, you know, where you kind of grow up and you listen to the stories. And, oh, I mean, it's funny now. I I grew up and go to these events and, you know, have these, oh, I was a young kid when you were playing the game. And, you know, it was like 25 years old now. And so it's exciting. You know, it's it's a chance to, to give back to the fans who were always there rooting for you. Yeah, staying at a four-star resort in Scottsdale, that doesn't suck. Every camper is no. going to – No, hang out in a nice resort in Scottsdale. No, it, it doesn't suck. No. Oh, are you kidding me? The weather is going to be perfect. Every every camper is going to get a home white uniform. You get a room. You get transportation to the resort, to the fields. It's breakfast, lunch. And then I hear there's a few uh, uh, libations uh, later that night with everybody hanging out telling stories. Oh, it'll be great. Yeah, I think there's going to be some Q&As and, and everything. It'll be a lot of fun. I mean, it's that interaction that, like I said, as a player and also as a fan that you always dream about, having that interaction. Because, you know, when you're playing in your career, it's hard sometimes. Uh, you know, spring training is always great. But when you're playing the season, it's about, you know, winning games and trying to go to the World Series. But this is the time that you you have that intimate setting where – you can talk baseball forever. You can talk about old times. You can talk about great stories. And it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and there's another package where you can get an upgrade on accommodations and get the Kelly Green jersey and then a day of golf with A's alum. So you can check it all out, athletics.com slash fantasy camp. Uh, you know, the World Series going on right now, Jason, and obviously shocking a little bit as uh, y- y- you're down in Vegas and, and, the, and, the, and the big favorites in this were the Houston Astros, and they find themselves down 0-2 after two games at home going to now Washington for game three. How shocked have you been about this World Series? 
to be honest with you, I haven't. I told all my buddies out here, they kept asking me, like, who they should put their money on being in Vegas. I'm like, listen, if the Washington Nationals get into this, they're going to be tough to beat. They're just so unbelievable on the mound, and I don't think they get enough credit offensively. I mean, they have some great hitters on their team. Obviously, they don't – it's harder to show that type of hitting when you're in the National League because you can pitch around guys and things like that. But, I mean, I I've, I expected them to be in the World Series, to be honest with you. If they got past that first one card game, because, I mean, when you're Scherzer – uh, and, and everybody else that you're in Strasburg and everybody else, I mean, they have an unbelievable starting pitching, and that's what wins in the playoffs. And I think about that X factor that you can't predict, you don't know you're going to have it, but they've got that magic mojo going right now. And, like, you're looking into their dugout, it's like they're having a blast. They got dancing going on. They're driving the car together. I mean, they, there there is that continuity. There is that chemistry. And then you look over to the Astros dugout, and they look absolutely miserable. Well, I think there's something to be said about they. I mean, the, the Washington Nationals have been in a dogfight for the last, what, month and a half, two months to get into the playoffs in the wild card. And, and like I said, it's, I've been on that side of the coin where you've been a wild card, you've won your division so easily, and then it's hard to re, recapture that intensity again when you know, you're okay, we've won 100 games, we're in the playoffs, we're, let's go win the World Series. Where Washington's been in a dogfight. You know, they've been in a dogfight for a long time, so they have that intensity, you know, and, which has carried them all the way through. And they've, and they've been the underdog because – Houston, you know, everybody's picked Houston or there was a time when the Yankees were up there and everybody else. So Washington has something to prove. You know, they definitely have something to prove this year. You had a 9-11 OPS in your career in the postseason with seven home runs and 19 RBIs. You hit 290, all very good numbers. What is it like in the postseason where every single pitch, I mean, you're hanging on every little thing in the postseason. Oh, there's no doubt. There's, I mean, every pitch means something. That intensity's there, you know, where you kind of play during the season where you can kind of take a pitch off or take, you know, an out off sometimes depending on what position you play. But you can't do that because, I mean, one run is such a big deal in the playoffs. And, I mean, it's been so fun to watch these two, you know, powerhouses play. And, you know, I think, as you said, I've been shell-shocked a little bit. I just knew that when Washington got in there, they were going to be tough to beat with their starting pitching. And one thing we've talked a lot about on this show is about it's great to see starting pitchers actually really playing a big role, going deeper into games, throwing more mm. pitches. And, I mean, this is the era you played in where you had big-name starters, and big-name starters, it just makes the game better. You got star power out there on the mound. Oh, there's no doubt. It keeps everybody in the game. You know, it, it really does. It keeps everybody watching the game on TV, going deep in the games, and, you know, and like I, like you said earlier, I mean, one pitch makes such a huge difference. I mean, look how fast last night's game got out of hand real quick. I mean, one pitch, and before you know it, it's a barrage of hits and runs, and, and that's what happens in the playoffs. It's so unpredictable. I mean, you can have a one-hit shootout, or you can have blowouts, and, and that's the exciting part about playoff baseball. Well, it's going to be a great time down in Mesa, Arizona. Jason, thanks for the time, and we're going to promote this thing, and hopefully we'll see you down there January 9th through the 14th. Thank you so much for making time for me. I'm very grateful and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see everybody. Great stuff, Jason. Always a pleasure. Ace Fantasy Camp is going to be unbelievable January 9th through the 14th. Just Google Ace Fantasy Camp, or you can contact Matt Langseth 
and mlangseth at athletics.com or call 510-563-2363. Giambi, Dave Stewart, Vita Blue, Dallas Braden, Campy, Bobby Crosby, Carney Lansford. I mean, come on, Shooty Babbitt, they're all going to be there. Travis Shawchick has written, co-written a book called The MVP Machine that's been the number one book in all of baseball. There's no question. Also writes for 538.com. Did an article about starting pitching back in vogue, especially in the postseason. Here's my interview with Travis. Travis, welcome back to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, we've been talking about well, we've been talking about your book a lot. Your book is fabulous, the number one book in baseball. We've been pr- promoting it, and we're also promoting your article. Uh, the title: Starting pitchers are getting more work this postseason. They deserve it. It's been a very refreshing theme to watch star pitchers pitching longer in games versus what we've seen with bullpenning, and I'm glad you wrote an article about it. Yeah, it, it has been refreshing to see, and you know, I think the history of baseball, the, what you'd see in the kind of a marquee going into a game is the starting pitcher versus that's a starting pitcher, and that matchup was kind of a fun game within the game. Uh, especially in the postseason, so we've, I think we've got a, we got away from that uh, in recent postseasons where, I think last year there only, well last two in 17 and 18 there only had 12 combined starts of 100 pitches or more in the postseason. I think we already have 18 this this postseason period, and we've seen a lot of the best pitchers uh, in the game on the stage and you know the Astros rotation versus Nationals rotation. We've never had this many five. Uh, War pitchers are better in playoff in a, in a series in the World Series, uh, so it has been refreshing to see. It's been it's been good for the game, I think. Oh, I, I totally agree. And why do you think we're seeing that when there's been such a trend about bullpens? Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of it is just uh, when you have a Garrett Cole at the top of his game, and you have a Matt Scherzer, you let those guys do their thing, and you're not uh, they're so good, you're not worried about them. Uh, they're usually better their third time through a lineup or even fourth time than your, your bullpen, bullpen options. So I think that's part of it. But I also think, uh, you know, we covered this in the, the book is all about player development and advances there. And I think as pitchers, if pitchers are going to become better because of new training, because of adding pitches, developing more efficient mechanics, more velocity, if all pitchers are going to become better, the, the best pitchers are, by definition, starting pitchers because they have not been banished to the bullpen at some point in their career. So if starting pitchers become better, they should gain more work share back because they have the better command, they have better pitches generally, uh, and they're adding velocity. So I think one of the side effects of player development, uh, of this player development revolution, could be that the best pitchers get better because they're starting pitchers and they gain back some of that work share, that workload they've lost to bullpens. Yeah, I, I think about this year's bullpens, and bullpen innings were up again. They total about 40 per, 42% of basically all innings pitched. But then the bullpen numbers for so many teams, they weren't very good. It's like, yeah, we're seeing more innings, but it's almost like they're being exposed. So are, are, are we at like a tipping point where things might have to change? We might, you know, we're, we're going to need starters maybe going a lot more innings. <laughs> Yeah, I think there is, uh, especially with the 25-man roster, there's a limit to how much specialization you can have. And perhaps the game has reached a point where there just isn't 
enough quality relief arms to fit the strategy some teams want to do with relief usage. And for the first time, I think in 20-some years, uh, late in the season, starter ERA was better than bullpen or reliever ERA uh, on a per-inning basis. So, you know, that that said, I mean, that could be a one-year outlier, but I do think it speaks to pushing the limits of bullpenning and relief usage uh, and starters gaining back some of that work share. And I mean, even talking to Derek Falvey for that article, the the Twins GM, you know, he says that he believes one of the next things in uh, the player development uh, revolution, for lack of a better word, is trying to get more work out of your starters. And you almost have to because of the stress that's on a 25-man roster these days. And I don't think we can have a game that has more than 60% of innings or something soaked up by relievers. And I'm not even sure that that wouldn't even be a very enjoyable game to watch, I don't think. I think there's still uh, something very pleasing about seeing two great starting pitchers work deep into a game, especially in October. So I hope the game gets back to that a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think we all understand uh, the power of matchups and late-ending decisions, that sort of thing, and there is benefits to bullpenning, but perhaps it went too far. Yeah, I'm with you. I hope to God we get back to watching starters go deeper in games and less bullpens. You know, as Jim Leland was on this program, he said the best bullpen is a starter that goes seven or eight innings. So uh, I would definitely like to see that because, you know, it starts to scare me. And I think a lot of front office people will back this is that, you, you just don't know year to year how your bullpen's going to be. Look at the A's. The A's bullpen last year was absolutely phenomenal. The A's bullpen at this year at times was a dumpster fire with 30 blown saves. <laughs> I mean, you, you just rip from year to year, you don't know. Yeah, and, and part of the reason the Nationals have to rely on the rotation is their bullpen had second worst ERA in baseball outside of Baltimore was the 30th ranked. So they also have to rely on their great starters, but – one of the interesting things I found in that article is if you just look at starts of 100-plus pitches in the regular season, uh, guys actually t- – the worst split uh, – I looked at uh, five groups, and one of those was pitches 1 to 25 within the start, 26 to 50, and so on. And the worst performing split within that group was the first 25 pitches of, of a game. And that was sort of surprising because we've heard so much about how pitchers – uh, typically get worse each time through the order and deeper into games. But if you just look at the good starts uh, in baseball since 1988 when pitch uh, counts were, were tracked and we can look at splits, if you just look at the 100-plus pitch outings, starters actually got stronger within starts this year and in recent years. And uh, I don't think people – I didn't know that. I don't think many teams are, are thinking that way about starters. But I think there might be something to that old adage of, uh, you know, good pitchers can get stronger within the game, and we have seen that uh, throughout this season and at times in October. So I do think, you know, the best to get seven quality innings out of the starters is ideal, and uh, maybe pitchers deserve a little more leash slack, and they deserve to uh, – we, we should really rethink, I think, pitch counts and times for the order and look at pitchers at a more individualized basis and to determine how deep they should go into games rather than just automatically pulling them in a set pitch count at a set time to the order. All righty, the World Series, the Nationals are up two zip. What do you think about the Houston Astros, and what chances do you give them? Because right now the odds are against them. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I uh, our 538 model of the Astros, I thought the Astros were the best team in baseball this year, but once you're in a 0-2 hole, you're, uh, you're in big trouble, and the Nationals are the favorite now to, to win the series. Uh, now, that being said, if any team can overcome 
that kind of deficit, it, it is the Astros who have the best lineup uh, since the 1927 Yankees by uh, looking at weighted runs created plus and Garrett Cole, assuming his last outing was kind of a bump in the road, has been as good as any pitcher uh, in recent memory. So, I mean, they still have the, you know, the horses to get it done, but hey, an 0-2 hole in a best of seven series, that's, that's tough. And now going on the road. So uh, I think you have to like the Nationals at this point, but if you're going to play this scenario out a hundred times, you know, the Astros are still going to probably win 40 of those. So they still have a shot. Uh, but yeah, the, the Nationals are in a very good position. Yeah, we've been talking about you guys all year long, 538, and looking at the predictions, you know, where the A's were, wild card division, uh, getting into the playoffs. And, and yeah, right now looking at it, the Nationals, 81% chance to win the World Series. Uh, <laughs> or maybe 20 times the Astros would win that if they played out. And uh, yeah, Corbin's great. I. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I might have let him go a little longer in game one a, since he was probably their best option at the bullpen, but now they have him press for, for game three. Uh, and, you know, we talked a lot about the, the Astros lineup, but Craig Turner, Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, and the Nationals have a very good lineup as well. So uh, it's, it's it really is a good series. And uh, while their Nationals are overwhelming favorites, uh, I still wouldn't completely count the Astros out, but. Yeah, it, it should be good stuff. And to see, we should, I think we might get another Scherzer-Cole matchup, which would be fun. Uh, so it, it feels a little old school in this, <laughs> in this very 2019 series, but uh, yeah, it's, been, it's been enjoyable. Your book, MVP Machine, has been a huge hit, and everybody in baseball has been talking about it. How much fun has that been for you to watch all these people in baseball constantly reference, referencing your book? Uh, well, yeah, that's that's always nice to hear for, for the book. And we feel, Ben and I feel like this book was something that had to come out this year because it was capturing uh, a big a big pivot of the sport towards this focus on player development. And this is the new uh, data-based, new tech, new ideas in player development is sort of the new money ball. That's where uh, competitive advantages are being had. So you know, we saw some of this beginning to take place last few years, but it really felt like there was an acceleration of this movement this year. So we felt it was important to try to hammer out that book as quickly as we could. And uh, we felt this kind of bubbling up more and more as we reported it over 2018. And we've seen it, you know, explode, explode this season and it's only going to continue. And you know, it's exciting to see individual players get more out of themselves, to see teams, uh, implement philosophies that extract more value out of players. Uh, I mean, even the twins who are all in on this, I think it's interesting what they've done with their catchers and their receiving ability. They've transformed, they've really improved framing, pitch framing results all the way through their system from top to bottom, just by changing technique and practices, uh, the power of this movement. So I mean, I know the A's are interested in this and invested. Uh, so yeah, it's been cool to see. And yeah, the timing of the book, I think was, uh, was good for where the game's at. We always appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of the World Series, and we'll be reading you on 538. And, of course, we'll keep promoting the MVP machine. Take care. (laughs) Thank you so much. From one good writer to another, we all know the issues right before the World Series. And what happened in the ALCS clincher, Brandon Taubman, what he did with the female writers, lost him his job, maybe his career. But Evan Drellich really looked into the Houston Astros as a whole and what it's like inside the Houston Astros, especially from people who used to work there. Fascinating article. And you wonder, are things going to be changing in Houston? Here is Evan Drellich 
from The Athletic. Evan, how are you? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, what's going on, Chris? All right, I have a dilemma. So the A's are having a, a, a costume competition on Thursday in the offices. <laughs> I'm not going to be there on Thursday. I'll be there Wednesday. I've got a full-on Riddler suit that I wear for Halloween. Should I still dress up on Wednesday and say, judge me now for Thursday's competition? Yeah, a thousand percent. Let them know what the standard is before they even show up the next day. Absolutely. Beautiful. And by the way, speaking of standard, I got to tell you, your piece on the Houston Astros was some of the best journalism I have read in a long, long time. And I'm just not saying that. And I'm going to tell you. So on Friday, I'm reading it. And I'm I'm heading to Houston with the Raiders because I also work for the Raiders. I can't tell I can't yeah. I can't tell you how many people with the Raiders I sent your piece to, and everybody went absolutely fabulous. So congratulations! It, it, it it's well, I appreciate great that. work by you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And reading this article, man, I I didn't know much about the Houston Astros. I mean, obviously, they come to town, and, you know, we'll talk with Jeff Blum or Sparks, or, you know, their broadcasters have been real good to us. I just didn't realize how ruthless it seems inside their building. Talk about what you truly learned about the Astros with your investigation. You know, it's been an ongoing thing um, where – when I was there, there were questions of how they handled people. Uh, and and it really in the last year or two, it, it hit the public stage in, in a way, you know, first with the acquisition of Osuna. Uh, and now we see the attitudes of people inside the building. Um, they were and remain so heavily bent on winning and doing business in an efficient way and bottom line focus, which in some way is admirable because for a time in baseball, uh, and maybe it's still the case, you look at a franchise like Pittsburgh, you go, that isn't run well, you know, however you define success. The problem is the Astros define success in a very singular way. And uh, I think that came back to bite them where their culture didn't, it's as much a story about what they did not care about, what they did not set out to do, what they did not set out to prioritize as much as what they did. You know, in choosing how to set up your vision, you're also choosing what not to focus on. And in this case, in a wide variety of ways, it's apparent in talking to, you know, a lot of people who have been there, including people who've been, who are still there, who remain there today, um, that there is a culture issue there where, you know, basic decencies, people as a priority has just been lost and and you the whole world has now seen it It, it, it's it's on the stage now where they can't even handle basic public relations matters with respectfully and and those are the kind of things that you know if your leadership wanted it set up differently it would have been set up differently i was absolutely shocked the the original press release then brandon tobman's press release Jim Crane's press release, then Luno, Luno comes out with something. I mean, it was like four straight disaster press releases before they kind of got it right in the end. And that's why when I read in your piece, when one of the former uh, Astros employees says, it's toxic and it eats you alive, that was just, it just kind of blows you away. 
Yeah, and, and you know, for me, as someone who who has known a lot of people with and around the team and who's reported on them before, um, you know, this wasn't new. You know, and 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 I, I said, said this to some people close to me. Uh, you know, it, it's strange the way you kind of need these large events for people to to pay attention or want to pay attention. You you, you don't want to read normally about a you know a 100 plus win team, but what might actually be going on behind the scenes. And that's what's so um, dramatic about the whole situation. They are really freaking good at putting a roster together. You know, there's, you can't argue uh, the baseball success, but it comes back to, to almost the cliched question at what cost, you know, and, and you talk to people who have been there and again, who are there as well. And it's, it's an environment that, has turned people off. They've lost people in the front office. Two more people are leaving this winter. I don't know specifically what their motivations are for leaving, um, but there's been a lot of turnover. It, it, you know, if you're the Astros, what does it matter? It's it, kind of the, the, the overarching question. As long as you're winning, as long as you're getting the title and you're selling jerseys and, and you're putting people in the stands and you're doing what you set out to do, how many people want to work in baseball, right? You have unhappy front office people that you don't want to pay a lot of money to, uh, well, they're replaceable, right? The, the workforce, the people lining up to work in Major League Baseball, you know, around the corner and around many corners. Um, so it, it, it comes back to, well, do you have to care about people? Do you have to care about your culture? Or, or at the end of the day, as long as that culture is producing these bottom line results, which it has for the Astros, are you good? And I saw it this weekend because it's it's Astros mania in Houston right now. And I actually asked some people about, you know, what they thought and, you know, Astro fans, they don't care. Right. I mean, they, they, just, they care about only the bottom line too. Well, this, that's the beauty of fandom. You know, the, the uh, kind of the blindness any of us can have at times to, to whatever we're partial to, whatever side of the fence you fall on, um, you know, and that, and, and that can be, frankly, as, as someone who is a reporter in the sports world, that there's little more frustrating. You know, you can, you can kind of present factual accounts. You, you present all the facts. And, you know, people just don't care. But that, it's like that outside of sports, too. It's just it's really pronounced inside of sports, you know, where, where people don't always want to grapple with those issues. It's sports. We want to watch a ball game, drink a beer. We don't care about, um, you know, these larger moral questions that come out of how this business is run, but you know, on the on the flip side of it, this is one of the few ways people might actually pay attention to those kind of questions about, you know, how things are done, how business gets done, that um, that maybe in other arenas, you know, outside of sports, people just wouldn't even think about. You know, you know, you know thinking about, well, how did this T-shirt get made, or whatever other company it is. Sports can also be that gateway, as frustrating as it might be. Buster Only of ESPN reported that baseball was absolutely livid the way this thing was handled. Obviously, something had to be done with Taubman. He was fired. Then it's like, get back to the World Series. But Major League Baseball brought people in from New York to investigate this. What do you think happens after the World Series? It's a tough question because when you have something that's at this high a level, um, you know, Jim Crane's a powerful owner. Uh, Rob Manfred represents all the owners. It, it's, it's not as simple. It, you know, they can come down as hard as they want on Taubman, but whether they, they look beyond that and are, and are kind of willing to impact the Astros in any 
uh, you know, meaningful sense long term, or do they pin it all on one guy? Because to this point, you know, Crane has apologized, Luno's apologized. It took 18 tries for them to apologize. Um, you know, how how much appetite does Major League Baseball have for uh, a, a deeper battle beyond simply Brandon Taubman did something wrong? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. You know, that that that's the thing I want to see and, and uh, that what I would point people to pay attention to. Well, the bottom line is if they do win, that's two World Series in three years. And when you win 107 games and you win the World Series, uh, let's face it, this will be looked at as one a, a great run and this will be looked at one of the great teams in baseball history. On the field, there's really no question about what the Astros have been what they've created, the success that Jeff Luno and Jim Crane have had, it, it is those bottom line results. And that's why it goes again to a question of, does it matter how you get there? You know, do, do, do you want to feel good about uh, the culture and the organization and people who may or may not have been stepped on along the way and, and uh, things that have been cast aside or people cast aside? That's, you know, that's the question everybody's got to wrestle with a little bit. But uh, just as we know the set of facts on the field, Everyone has now seen what off the field, what, what culturally, uh, what question the Astros present, and it's it's a very difficult one. Evan, great stuff. We appreciate the time. Enjoy Halloween and keep up the great work. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. And last but not least, a former general manager turned media guy. Mets, Orioles, now with. MLB Sirius XM, and you see him on the MLB Network. His insight on the World Series. Here's our friend, former GM, Jim Duquette. Jim, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? How you doing, Chris? What's going on, man? So Ken Ken Rosenthal threw it out there that he's predicting by December 7th, Scott Boris is going to be looking for $300 million for Garrett Cole. And we just worked this out since you're a former general manager. That would be a seven-year deal at forty-three million a pop. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, um, yeah. That number, that number is a staggering number. That would far exceed what uh, what is the highest right now, which I believe is uh, David Price um, at two seventeen. I think somewhere in that range. I mean, he listen. There's there's certain numbers that uh, that Scott's looking for for um, his clients. He's always looking for uh, you know. Sh- uh, market shattering deals, but in a, even if even if it were to start with a four, let's say a forty, which I don't think he can get to, um, it won't be it won't be over three hundred million dollars. I mean, I, he can look for it, but it's it's not. It'll be closer to I think if we we're sitting there trying to put money on it, I'd say it'd be closer to two thirty two forty somewhere 240 million something along those lines that would be my guess i, I think garrett cole is going to be okay in the end i think it'll work out for him he's going to be fine yeah he's going <laughs> to work out just fine exactly <laughs> all right so when i think about the road team in the world series the road team has won the last dating back to last year the road team has won seven straight games and now you got strasburg and you got scherzer what kind of puncher's chance do you give the Nationals here in Game Six and Game Seven? Well, I, I give them a, a definite uh, more than a fighter's chance for Game Six. Uh, Strasburg Strasburg's been the hottest pitcher right now. Uh, I would say the last two months. You know, Cole. You know, his Cole's not last night, obviously, but the the last start we gave up five runs. 
Um, it wasn't his best outing. You still look at Strasburg's outing down, here down the stretch in the postseason. He's been the best pitcher of, of the two in terms of results. So, so you know, I think they're going to ride him as far as they can. And, and, you know, I think the thing that concerns me is the Astros' offense is perked up. Um, you know, whether that's on the road or at home, it doesn't matter to me. It's just they're, they're swinging the bat a lot better than they than they were last series and in the first two games of the World Series. So it is an uphill battle. But, but I do think um, – you know, there's an argument to be said, you know, whether it's a small percentage chance or not. I, mean, I think there's, you know, Nationals could win tomorrow night with Strasburg on the mound in a, in a fairly rested bullpen, but they just, they got to score some runs. That's, that's been their issue here over the last three games. Yeah, and that was the issue for the Houston Astros at the start of the series was scoring runs. And obviously, you know, once again, we have, People complaining about the strike zone, and then this morning and last night, uh, robot umps is a big topic. Where do you weigh in on the strike zone, and where do you weigh in on ro- on robo ump? Well, I, listen, I, the strike zone, I, I do not think it was very good over the, over those three games. I really don't. I, I didn't, I, you know. And I think for me, uh, you know, when you see as many missed calls as you get, I think it hurts the product. Now, I I think you know we have some good, really, really good umpires that should be able to call and get better at balls and strikes. But if that's not working, then I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, getting the strike zone, right? The problem, here's the issue. It's so funny is it's always like, be careful what you ask for. Right. So, so hitters say they want the strike zone to be automated and pitchers say the same thing, but I can guarantee you this, as soon as they start missing some calls or let's say they get some calls that, that, you know, the strike zone's a little bit bigger than what they're used to. Because we all can agree, like, that high strike doesn't get called consistently enough, no matter what. It just doesn't. But it, but now it will, uh, presumably, with the computer and with the uh, with the robot. There's got to be more bitching like, than, you know, with, with the robots, too. With, so, uh, so for me, I, I don't think that it's a slam-dunk solution, even though a lot of people do. And then where we were kicking around, let, let's say the Nats, you know, we want we want a game seven. Everybody wants a game seven. So if you're the Astros and it's game seven, are you going to stick with Grinky or would you potentially go Garrett Cole on three days rest? Well, uh, well to me, I would, you know, the, Grinky's last start, you know, last two if you look, you know, I mean, it's been a struggle, no question. Like, it hasn't been the dominating type of stuff. Obviously, we know that with, with like, we, like you get with Verlander and, and Cole or, or even Scherzer when he's healthy in, in Strasburg. But, you know, he's kept the score low. He's kept it, you know, he's kept them in the bug. And I think I think I would tend to go with that with him on a very short leash, uh, but have Cole ready. Uh, you know, or Keedy, any of those guys, any any pitcher, basically in that that point. That that's the beauty, of, and that's why I want to see a game seven too. It's just like you see things you never thought. Like I remember uh, the Giants and and uh, and the and the Royals talking to Bruce Bochy on the field, and I was doing I was doing that game for SiriusXM. He said, "Yeah, I'm going to bring in Bumgarner for like two innings in the middle somewhere," and he pitched what the last five. Last six, like you just you, you get unpredictable things that happen in Game Seven. I think you'll see Cole in that in that game if it goes to a seven. Yeah, it makes you think of like Randy Johnson against the Yankees in 01, or right. like you said, Madison right. Bumgard. It, it could be really exciting. Speaking of front office, and I don't know if you got to see the athletic article by Evan Drellich about the Houston Astros. 
um, where it's basically they talk about the atmosphere inside management is very toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, did you get to read that article and, and just how I, you... I missed it, but I'm not I'm not surprised by it because I've, I've heard plenty of conversations both with people who used to work there uh, and that still do. So I, I probably have a pretty good feel what it was about. How do you how do you feel they handled the whole situation? Well, they they butchered that that situation there with uh, with um, you know uh, Taubman going in there and you know, it was clear clear that um, a couple of things that stand out to me. First off, if you're you know if you follow the NBA and I do a little bit, the NBA would have handled this thing completely differently. They would have said, listen, we're, we're gonna we're gonna uh, put him on administrative leave. We're gonna we're gonna investigate this and we're gonna get back to you here after the World Series is over. Case closed. Everyone said, okay, you know, and once the investigation was, you know, they come to the logical conclusion, which was he should be fired, um, then then I think, we, you know, but it wouldn't have been like a three, four day, five day story. So that start there, I think the league should have gotten more involved. But but number two, the Astros never, ever um, investigated, went any further. It was disgusting. The, the, their first statement, when you go back and look at it, and you, I knew a lot of the details. It was, there were like several witnesses to, to see and to con- co- uh, corroborate the story that was written in Sports Illustrated. So for the Astros to come out there and, and, and handle it the way they were, is basically disgusting. So I'm, I'm disgusted with their front office. I love A.J. Hinch, their manager. He, he's uh, the anti-front office guy. He's the one who had to an- actually answer the questions, and not, not Jeff Luno, the GM. But um, it, it was handled poorly from the very beginning. And I love what AJ Hinch had to say, and I and I I almost want to I almost want to put it up in every clubhouse and, and every locker room in professional <laughs> sports that no one should ever walk in here and feel uncomfortable or not safe. Well, it, he hit the right tone. He was not only was he disappointed, but like he said, like, like there's not one person like, whether you're doing your job uh, as a writer or a reporter, uh, a photographer. Um, if you're somebody from, let's you know, whether it's a player, young player, old, uh, veteran player, uh, you know, MLB executive that might be in there, umpire, who knows, whoever, whoever comes into the clubhouse, they should not uh, be uh, made to feel uncomfortable in that spot, in that spot, in that location, in the workplace. Um, and he did. He, I, I'm, we, you know, I said that <laughs> we we get him on our show every pregame uh, during the series, and we had a chance to tell him that ourselves that hey, you couldn't have handled it. He couldn't have handled it any better, and he's still upset by the whole thing. Uh, you know, with with the way it's gone on, I I don't think the issue internally with the Astros is over. Yeah, that's that was going to be my follow up. Is I understand. Okay, you make the move to fire Tobman, but Major League Baseball came in and investigated. I, I I just have a feeling that it's like let's get this World Series over and then more things are going to come down. Yeah, I you know that's that's the one part that it's hard to predict. You know I don't know. Um, you know I think this you know start you know, every time there's something like this that happens it always starts at the top. A lot of times the owners don't aren't aren't aware of it. Maybe they're not around enough. But with some of the evidence that it was out there, uh, he should be pretty well aware of what's going on now and. It's going to be up to him to fix it, and we'll see if there's any tangible uh, resolution to it. Cause, but I, I'm with you. I think you will see some some changes there. I don't know if it'll get out in the public realm. I don't know if we'll ever end up hearing it. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll hear about it here over the next couple months, though. 
Let's end on this. If the Astros do win, will you be looking at them as an all-time great team? Uh, you know, it's funny. I can we can like talk about dynasties and and uh, you know, I looked at I looked at the Giants. What they did three three World Series championships over six years. That to me is a dynasty. It's a, it's the it's not the norm, right? The no, not the norm is what the Yankees did for four years, ninety six to two thousand. Went back to the World Series in one and lost it. Like those are dynasty t- type of of uh, organizations. For the Astros. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's an incredible run, two of three. But they got they got to get one more for me, um, for it to be in the in the same class. It's pre, it's really really impressive to be able to do that, two out of three. But but I wouldn't put them in the Giants or Yankees class yet. Jim, we love your work and uh, continued success, and have fun with the rest of the World Series. No, you got it. Thanks a lot for having me. Not a bad lineup right there. Jason Giambi, Travis Shawchick. Evan Drellich, and Jim Duquette. We hope you enjoyed another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.